hey, hey, glad you're all here today, and uh, glad you've come. We're grateful, always thankful when uh, folks come and visit with us. We don't take it for granted. We always take it as a responsibility, really. You know, we realize we have that responsibility. I, my prayer has been that I'll say something that'll be relevant to your life. Uh, I'm not interested in simply giving you a star on your chart because you came to church today. Uh, we really like for you to get something that you can use the rest of the week. We desire that for you. Uh, I don't think it's probably catching you by surprise. This is Resurrection Sunday, and you see the signs about Christ is risen. And uh, we certainly believe in that, excited about that. In fact, the difference between a religion and a relationship is Jesus Christ. That, that's the difference. If you say, what, what's the difference, guys? You know, what's this all about? Well, the difference is, you know, if you've been to Sunshine very many times, uh, you realize that I'm not a big fan of religion. That may kind of shock you, but I'm not. Uh, I've not seen religion do a lot of people very much good. It's always very binding, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's taking you into areas that almost are unable to do type thing and all. What we're really concerned about is you having a relationship with God. We really believe that's the thing that you need, and the thing that we're concerned about for you is that relationship. We want you to be able to have that. We just don't want to make you a religious person. We want you to have a relationship where you can walk with God and deal with God, and, and He wants to deal with you. And it's kind of cool to realize that God really cares about us. Now, when I was raised, I really wasn't raised in a Christian home. Although I did use God's, I heard God's name mentioned. <laughs> Something with Boulder and Hoover in it. And, uh, but, uh, so I really wasn't raised that kind of stuff. When I, when I thought about church, when I thought about Easter for us, Easter for me was church, I think we went maybe once or twice, church, clothes, and candy. The big three C's, you know, the three C's, you know. And a lot of times when folks think about Easter, think about this. Let's see if I can get, you see the little bunny? Yeah, right. And uh, but for some reason, that bunny lays eggs. <laughs> really stupid. And, but a lot of people, this is what's occupying their time where they're spending their money, is dealing with, they think about, you know, Easter, you know, here comes Peter Cottontail, all kind of stuff. And that's kind of occupies, but you see, it's not about the rabbit, it's about the lamb. That's what it's about. It's not about the rabbit, it's about the lamb. We think of Easter, this is what we're thinking about the lamb. It's important to understand who that lamb is. Let me show you who that lamb is. Guys, if you show it to me, that's who the lamb is. You know, Jesus Christ is the lamb. And I realize that we're showing you a picture of him on the cross. He's not there. He's not there. He's risen. And it's important for us to understand that. But I, I want to take a few minutes this morning, and, and, and I'm going to get to the lesson eventually. And you'd have been here very times. I generally on Easter preach two messages. I mean, why not? You know, I got you all, I got you here. And so, uh, but you, when, when Jesus was on the cross, and, you know, I, I'm not telling you this morning that I can relate to that. You know, I, I really can't relate to what really went on. You know, the, 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 the mockery and the, the trial that was a mockery of justice. I'm not really, you know, but, but you know, he went through all this several hours of, of, uh, of scourging, whipping, and all that kind of stuff. And, and finally, we find that they, they, you know, he was up all night. They took him to the hill Golgotha. They actually put nails in his feet and his hands, and they hung him there on the cross. And I don't know about you, but I would say he had a real bad night. Wouldn't you say? 
I mean, he had a bad night. I mean, he, I mean, things just unbelievable, betrayal and mockery and, 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 and physical abuse and, and all that kind of stuff and all the injustice that went on. And, and uh, now we find him here hanging on a cross and you, you kind of think about, you know, what would have been going through his mind during that time? And, uh, you know, I can't relate to that because what would have been going through my mind is, why is this happening to me? And, you know, uh, I know, have y'all ever felt sorry this morning? And, uh, but, but that does happen sometimes. You know, we have a, if we're not careful, you know, it never is not a good place to be. But, but we find that Jesus on the cross, and, and I thought before I really bring the lesson to you, and I'm going to just take one of the sayings, I thought we'd just take a moment and look at what did he say on the cross. And so I'm going to give you just real quick, kind of a, a pre-message type thing. There were seven things he said on the cross. Now, you realize here he is, he's, he's, been cruci- he's being crucified, uh, he's going through all this agony. He's going through all this pain, unjustly so. Now, I realize he did it for our sake. I got that. And I know that it had to happen as a sacrifice. I, I'm not, not under, misunderstanding that. But having said all that, mentioning all that, still, was, here he was on the cross. And so what was he going to say? Now, the first thing he said was this. Now, look, at all the things could have been very, there there's seven things he said. The very first thing here, he's hanging on the cross, and here's what he said. Father, forgive them for they, not, they know not what they do, and if heart is rent and cast lots. Now, <clears throat> what you got to understand, they knew what they were doing when they crucified him. They didn't do that by accident, but they didn't understand the full implication of that, what really was, was going on there. They didn't get that. You know, it's funny, the world makes all these boasts and all these things they say they're going to do. They're only going to do what God lets them do. <laughs> See, God is in charge, and sometimes we see this crazy world that we're living in now. It seems like things are out of hand. I want to tell you something. They're not out of hand. God's in charge, and there's a little, little law going into place I think we're also facing. What we've sowed, we reap. As a country, I think that's what we're facing now. What we've sowed, now that we're reaping. But we see he's on the cross, and on the cross, the very first thing he says, Father, forgive them. That's godly, isn't it? Father, forgive them. Now, on the cross... On, on either side of him were thieves and robbers and probably murderers. And on each side of him, these guys were also being crucified, justly so, justly so. And it's interesting here, I'm sure each of them was kind of in their own little world, and all, except for Jesus. And we find here he is, and one of the, one of the uh, 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 thieves on the cross said something like, you know, would you remember me when you come into paradise? And this is the second thing we see. The second, uh, the second saying on the cross is this. And Jesus said unto him, this is the guy beside him, Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What an amazing thing. Here Jesus was being crucified. It had to really occupy his thinking. It's certainly every nerve in his body was involved with this. And yet he took the time to care for someone else. That's godly, isn't it? I'm so thankful this morning that I can tell you that God's not too busy to hear you. He's not too busy to listen to what you're going through. And he's not too busy to care. And not only that, he can meet your need like nobody else. So the second thing. Now, the third and fourth thing are interesting. We go from, we go into the book of John, and we see he's sitting, he's, he's, he's there, and he's being crucified. And he looks down and sees his mother. Now, that would be a tough thing for a mother to see, wouldn't you think? I mean, I realize that she knew he was special and all this, but that's mother. And, uh, you know, it's amazing what's, con- what's con- concerned about Jesus was that his mother was taken care of. You know, it's amazing. As you look at all these things that Jesus said, it really wasn't much about him. It was much about everybody else. 
And so he looked down, his mother, he said, he said this, well, first time, after he saw his mother and disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. He wasn't saying here, he was saying there. He was, what he was doing, he was taking care of his mother. He was showing affection. He said, I want you, hey, this is going to be, this is going to be the guy that's going to take care of you. And the, the fourth thing he said was this. Then he said to the disciple, behold thy mother, and from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. He took care of his mother. He, here he was going through all this agony, all this mockery, all this shame. I mean, you know, just a terrible situation. And yet what consumed him was other people, what was going on, caring for his folks. The fifth thing we see is interesting. He said, and Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, you know why? Because he knows all things. Has it ever occurred to you it's never occurred to God? How many times, almost daily, do things surprise us? Or we'll say things, particularly if you have the bad, bad habit of watching TV. And you see all the wonderful things. On. Of course, if it's on TV, you know it's the truth. They wouldn't lie to us, would they? But, you know, sometimes I'll see that something on TV, and I'm thinking, I can't believe you said that. You know, do you all ever talk to your... Anyway, and, uh, but, so, so it's easy to get kind of uh, occupied with everything, but it never occurred to him. And the scripture says, I thirst. Two words. We'll, we're going to come back to that in a little bit. We'll, we'll kind of expand on that. Now, the fifth, the uh, sixth thing was this. Uh, he, things were getting ready to close down. Uh, he knew what, you see, what you got to understand, you know what they thought? They thought they had taken Jesus and had placed him there in custody and put him on the cross. They thought they had the power to do all that, but the reality, he laid his, he was the lamb that was, that was slaughtered for us. He was the lamb that was sacrificed for us. He did not, they did not take his life. He gave his life. He offered his life. The reason why this morning I can stand before you and talk about the reality of eternity and how you can know for sure heaven's your home because Jesus Christ gave his life. Neither is there salvation any other, for no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but through Jesus Christ. So he's ending up. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Things were closing down. And of course, the, verse, the last saying was this. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Having thus thus, he gave up the ghost. And so what I want you to see this morning, I want you to understand that there's a lot of stuff going on. If we're not careful, we get caught up in the, the ceremony. We get caught up in the activity. And we forget something very definite was going on. There was a very definite thing that was happening. And this morning, if you have your Bible there in John 19, 28, we see the fifth saying that I want to kind of expand on this morning, dealing with the area, I thirst. Even though this is a, but few words, the impact is unbelievable. There's several things we see within this statement. The first thing we see, I believe it's important for us this morning, we see his humanity. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of Godless. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed in on the word. He faced what we face. Uh, he understands pain. He understands loss. He understands disappointment and happiness. He's, he's aware of all this. He was very God and very man, God, the God-man. And so it's important this morning to realize that the things that you're going through, he understands. He's aware of the problems that you're facing. We see the humanity. Have you ever talked to someone and you know they're not getting you 
that you know they're not, you're sending, but they're not receiving? Hope that's not your marriage. <laughs> if that's the case, see me later. I'll give you a book. <laughs> and so, but, but, you know, you, you get to a situation where, you know, you're talking to someone and you're, you're sharing something with them. And, and, and sort of the opposite also to you. You talk to someone, maybe you're having some problem with the children or some problems in your life or whatever. And you're talking to someone and you can see it in their eyes. They know what you're talking about because they've been there. Well, that's Jesus. Nothing that you can talk about to him. He does not understand. He understands it all. We see his humanity. You know why God sent him here to earth. He sent him to earth for us as the sacrifice for someone to care for us. And the Bible talks about that he, that he understands our feelings and our problems and difficulties. He, we see his humanity on that, those two little words, I thirst, I thirst. We see the intensity uh, of Christ's suffering. We, we, just a few minutes ago I talked about the, uh, the things that happened before the statement, I thirst. Uh, he was in Gethsemane, up all night and betrayed. Uh, in the middle of the night, he was brought before Caiaphas uh, to stand trial. I don't know if you've ever been where the trial's going on. Uh, when I think about trials, I always think about Matlock and, you know, Perry Mason. They never lose. And uh, a few years ago, I was in a, I was called, this fellow had murdered his wife and he had come to church. And I was called before the, uh, uh, the courts. Uh, they wanted to establish a timeline. All I was going to really give them was a timeline of what, what happened, what took place and all, because I happened to know what it, what it was, and I was subpoenaed. So I went to the court, and they, it was so funny, all the way up to swearing me in, it was no big deal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was, I was free and wonderful, and all of a sudden, they, I raised my hand, and they had me swearing, and I, I almost forgot my name. <laughs> you, ever, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it is on TV. I mean, that's some serious stuff going on in these courts and all, particularly if you're a rookie, you've not been in those areas and all. And so, uh, but this is what, he, some of the stuff he went through, uh, he would, there was a mockery of a trial. I mean, the injustice was unbelievable. And so he was, had gone through that mockery, and, and Pilate had scourged him. That means he had beat him unmercifully, and Herod had mocked him. He, he's back to Pilate again, and on his way to Calvary, he's nailed to a cross, and, and over six hours uh, that he is hanging on that cross for six hours, and, and all the, 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 this whipping was, the scourging was like a, a whip that hit the back and pulled the flesh out. He was a bloody mess. It's a mess. And there was no antiseptics, and there was no painkillers, and there was none of that stuff going on. He was suffering just like you and we would suffer. He, uh, he was going through all that. And through all that, we see the basic utterance that would deal with him was i thirst the other six things really were reference to other situations i believe he placed that in there to kind of help us to understand something really excruciating was happening i thirst in this particular statement we see that christ can sympathize with suffering people isaiah 53 4 surely he hath borne our griefs carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We're living in a world that's well acquainted with suffering. You'd be amazed this morning if you knew the people that are here and the suffering that they're going through, the pain that they're facing. Have you ever been misunderstood, misjudged, misrepresented? Have those nearest and dear to you 
turn from you. Have you had that happen? Well, this is what he's talking about here. Hebrews 2.18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he also cares for them that are tempted. Now, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says this, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But get this, but was in all points tempted like we are. You ever talk to someone and say, you don't understand what I'm going through? There's some folks that even believe that I can read minds. I don't want to read your mind. I don't want to do that. I See, if you know, I don't want to know. But the Bible says he already knows. Uh, he already is aware of what I'm going through. Uh, he's aware of the problems I'm facing, the shortcomings I may have. Uh, he's, he's aware of all that. And he understands that. He has gone through all the things that we have gone through. He says, because of that, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly. I like that. This Christianity is not some you know, weak need type of mentality. I can come boldly unto the throne of grace. And here's what I can get. Mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let me tell you something, guys. When I'm going through problems, I don't need your philosophy. I need your help. I don't need for you to tell me, well, you shouldn't have done that. Duh. Thank you, Mr. Obvious. Come on, guys. When we're going through a difficult time, I don't need some rhetoric. Don't preach me in your service. I need help. I'm glad when I go before God, I don't go to God and try to con God into helping me. Oh, God. Let me tell you how we'll do this, God. I'll do this if you'll do that. Now, you know what's funny about that? People actually do that. Oh, God, they promise them everything if you do so-and-so. The problem is God doesn't function that way. See? God says, I want to give you mercy. I want to give you grace. I really care about you. I want to do that. I really want to be a part of your life. I really want to be a, a help to you. I desire that. You know why? He, this is so cool. You know why that's true? Because for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God loves you this morning. God cares about you. Now, love doesn't mean he puts up with what we're doing. But God does love us. God cares for us. First Peter says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. What a, what a great Easter gift, someone who actually cares for you. Have you ever spent times in your life when you wondered if anybody cared? And sometimes you don't even care. But God never is in that state. He always cares for us. The last thing I want to say this morning is that because of this particular I thirst, this comment he made, we see the expression of universal need. Probably today, if you if you'll particularly in our society, people today are thirsty for wealth. They're thirsting for honor. They're thirsting for pleasure. And yes, they're thirsting for position today. Uh, we live in a society that's thirsting for these things and, 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 and wants to be involved with these things and, and uh, cares for these things. The problem is, Today's attractions leave us less than satisfied and what they promise 
they don't deliver. The Bible says in John 4, 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water I give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springeth everlasting life. You see, here's the deal, guys. Some of you have drank at the well of religion. You've drank, you've, you've taken your time and you've drank at the well of good works. Some of you have drank at the well of tradition. That's a big one. Maybe at the well of pleasure. But here's the problem with what the world gives. It's always temporary. It's always temporary. You have to come back. Now, what God said, that what I want to do, I want to give you this water from him, that once you drink it, it's satisfied. You don't have to drink it again. Okay. See, this is the difference between relationship and religion. Religion is rules and regulations. Now, I'm not saying there's not order in a relationship. There's order. But the order is not to keep us saved. The order is because we are saved. Okay. And so this morning, I, I encourage you. What the message really is developing around is a message based on need. I thirst. Jesus said, I thirst. Now, it's interesting when you look at what happened there, they misunderstood what he was saying. He was thirsting for them to believe. He was thirsting for them to accept. He was thirsting for them, their blindness to be eradicated. He, he went there because he, you know, he saw the people as a sheep that had no shepherd, no direction. They were stumbling around. He wanted to give them direction and life. And this morning, you may be here and say, Preacher, I, I thirst for my marriage to be straightened out. I thirst for that. I thirst for my children to do what's right. Maybe you're here this morning, you've got children that are messed up. You're, you're thirsting for those children to do what's right. Maybe you're here this morning, and, you know, I, I, it's kind of a redundant statement, but uh, but no one knows you like you. And, and I realize here on Easter Sunday, you know, we've got, we got our glad rags on, and, you know, we're, you know we, we're asking all the right questions, the questions, you know. Remember the question, how you doing? And your answer is, fine. Lie right through your teeth. It's church lying. And so, you know, we've done that. You know, we're coming here. We're going through the motions. We're playing the game. And, and I'm saying to you, don't you get tired of playing the game called church. Don't you get tired of that? Don't you get tired of just going through, you know, you live, the, you go through the whole week and, and, and God's not really very much a part of your life and yet we check in on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever and, you know, we're trying to, you know, do our religious thing and it is a religious thing. And I, I'm saying to you, listen, I'm not interested in you being religious. I'm interested in you having a relationship because the relationship deals with the thirst. 
A religion creates the thirst. That's the difference. Religion creates the thirst. Relationship quenches the thirst. What do you got? What do you got? Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I thirst for a reality that I know for sure when I die, heaven will be my home. Let's just talk for a moment. I'm just about done. It doesn't really matter to me if you're a, uh, an assembly of God or if you're a Presbyterian or a Lutheran or a Baptist or, or non-denominational, whatever you are. None of that stuff going to get you to heaven. I don't think when you get to heaven, God's going to have a little sheet. Okay, Presbyterian over here. Baptist, oh, okay, by the lake. And... Uh, Sorry about that. But, you know, I, I, guys, I just tell you something right now. I, I, I read this Bible through a few times, and I've never seen that kind of stuff. In fact, I, I heard, I've seen this, neither is there salvation any other. But there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby you must be saved through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, what I encourage you, you know, the whole reason for the cross was to pay for our sins. And the reason for the resurrection was to prove he did it. See, we don't serve some dead God. We serve a living Savior. This morning, what I encourage you to do is, the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so this morning, if you're not sure about your eternity, if you're here this morning, you're not really sure where you spend eternity, uh, my, my encouragement to you is, why don't you receive that gift that was paid for you at Calvary, and that and that was and that on, on the resurrection was a, was a proof for us that we, He wants to have a relationship with us, not a dead religion that creates a thirst, but a live relationship that helps us to live this life and help us to have meaning and purpose for the life that God's given to us, and He wants us to have that, and this is the reason why all this is happening. And so this morning you have an opportunity: you can accept, or you can reject. You do have that freedom. He doesn't cram it down your throat. He offers it to you. You know why? Because he loves you. And he wants you to love him back. That's it. It's as simple as I can tell you. Let's bow in prayer.